Taking stock on News Talk. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling. We're joined now by Paul Conaty, Principal Consultant at cybersecurity firm CWSI. Paul, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Gavin. Good to be here. I want to talk to you about this Apple incident during the week where they had to rush out an update to basically stop a security flaw. I mean, this was a big one, wasn't it? Yeah, this was pretty high profile and um, definitely not what Apple wanted right before they were launching all their new products, um, which happened nearly around the same time. Um, So, yeah, it was pretty high profile and hit the news more than most of the security updates, I think. So why was it so bad? Um, there's a couple of reasons on this one. I think the, the most the most worrying is this what's known as a zero day attack. Um, and it, basically what that means is there's, it's never been seen before. Uh, so obviously that means, you know, if you've got security software or anything like that running, you know, they've, they've never seen it before. They can't react to it. And then the other bit was it required um, zero interaction by the end user. So we're all kind of familiar with getting, you know, phishing messages or some kind of link, an SMS or a WhatsApp or a Facebook messenger or an iMessage where they want us to click on a link. There's been a, a huge amount of them this year. But in this case, um, there was no requirement for you to click on anything. They just would send you a, a message in the background, an iMessage. You probably wouldn't even know you got it. And just by landing on your device, they would then be able to attack the device and, in, and then in, move from there to install some malware. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? You don't you don't even have to do anything. Just just expand on that a bit more because that was the big question I had about this when I was reading about the story. How does it get in? You say you mightn't even realize you got the iMessage. Why wouldn't you realize? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so it's a bit like the, you you might remember we had a similar um and very related um issue a couple of years ago with WhatsApp where, where there was an, also a zero click attack where someone could send a, a WhatsApp message to you you didn't have to actually see the message, respond to it, and it would allow you then to attack the device. And what they could immediately do was was go in and delete from the log that you ever got that message. So all oh, of this wow. could happen quite quickly, you know, because it could be automated. Um, so you, you, chances are, unless you had your phone open at that moment with, at the time, WhatsApp, or in this case, iMessage, um, you would not know that any of this had happened. Yeah, so it just flashes up for a second and then it's gone. Poten- yeah, exactly, yeah. This wasn't criminals who came up with this technique. Sure it wasn't. It was this Israeli crowd, uh, NSO they're called. Tell us a bit about them. Yeah, so I suppose it depends on your definition of criminal. Um, but no, like NSO are, are have been in the news a few times. They were the ones behind the um, the WhatsApp one I mentioned already. With And the, and the malware we're talking about here is, is called Pegasus. So Yeah, and we should like, say different... it, it wasn't NSO who were doing the attacking. It, it, they just developed this technology. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and to be 100% clear, you know, the, the investigative organization, Citizen Lab, who, who brought this to the attention of Apple, um, you know, NSO have not unequivocally said it was 100% their software or not, but it, all, the, all the forensic evidence seems to indicate that it's very, it, that's what it looks like. So we, we, just to be, be 100% accurate, we're, it's, not, it's not definitely NSO, but we're, it's, yeah. it's strongly suspected that it is their software. So they're an Israeli uh, cybersecurity organization, and they develop software that allows nation states to basically use uh, tracking and monitoring so- software like this for purposes like, you know, investigating criminal rings, you know, for, for breaking child pornography or international criminal gangs, um, anti-terrorism. Uh, and, and there is legitimate uses for, for this kind of, of software. 
the problem is that once it kind of gets out into the wild, that it can be used for, for other purposes. And there's also a lot of concern in, I suppose, the activist community in particular and, and in journalism circles that, you know, some of the customers of NSO might not be the, the, the most friendly regimes or have the, the, the best uh, reputation for, for human yeah. rights or, or, or for using these, these tools in a, in, in a legitimate way. Well, one way I saw them described was as hackers for hire, which I, I kind of thought was an interesting description. And they were asked about this themselves. And as you mentioned, we no sort of 100% indication it's them, but they didn't deny it. They, they said, you know, we will continue to provide intelligence and law enforcement agencies around the world with life-saving technologies to fight terror and crime. But uh, even if it is only going to, to law enforcement agencies, some of those law enforcement agencies around the world aren't so good. And in this case, um, Paul, it was a, a Saudi activist, I think, who was the, the person who was detected to have this on their phone. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was it was it's it, exactly the same as what happened previously. So there, were, there was there's been some um, a couple of cases before where it's been people involved in, in Middle Eastern regimes, whether they're, they're like activists who are against governments, whether it's Saudi or Bahrain or UAE or any other number of different or, or countries there. And, you know, these are people like, I suppose, like uh, Jamal Khashoggi or other you know, journalists or activists who might be speaking out against those regimes or who are a person of interest. And they use these tools to get onto their devices and look at their messages, look who they're talking to, track their locations and, and try and, I guess, build up a profile of what they're doing so they can, uh, you know, move against them or or, or take whatever action they, they see fit. Our guest here on News Talk is Paul Conaty, Principal Consultant at cybersecurity firm CWSI. People were understandably quite concerned about this. And as we mentioned, Apple rushed out this software update to, to try and sort this out and, and protect people. But it's unlikely to have been widespread, right? I mean, it's uh, probably a more targeted Absolutely. thing. This is a very targeted thing. So for the majority of us, and, and like 99% of, of iPhone or I, well, it's not just iPhone because this affected all Apple devices, whether it was a, a MacBook or, or a, your Apple Watch, your iPad or your phone, they were all vulnerable to this. But for most of us, this isn't, you know, high on our threat concern or high on our risk register. And, you know, if you're even for, you know, our own customers from my own organization, most Irish SMEs and, and businesses, this isn't going to be something they're hugely concerned about right away. However, what can happen with and what does happen with these kind of exploits is over time, they get released and reverse engineered um, into the wild and then they can be used yeah. by you know, criminal gangs who can um, then use them for tools for potentially doing things like ransomware or, you know, for, you know, other reasons. What you, you can imagine if you were um, if you were someone who worked in mergers and acquisitions in a, in a major law firm or you were someone, in, you know, uh, high up in any major multinational, there's plenty of people out there who'd be quite interested in trying to get information about what's on your device, where you go, who you're talking to. And we've seen the likes of people like Jeff Bezos before being being hacked with with tools like this, which which could have started out as a, a tool developed by someone like NSO, but then made their way out into the wild. Yeah. So it might be something to worry a bit more about in future. But what are the things that people should be worrying about now? Well, I think there is obviously you should keep your devices patched. So like this, this the latest patch is to bring your device up to, to 14.8. And in fairness to Apple, 
you know, I think they were notified about this um, uh, vulnerability on on the seventh of September, and they had a patch out two days later, which is which is phenomenal response and exactly what you want to see from from the major technology vendors. But there's there's literally dozens of other threats like this and vulnerabilities like this that exist in older versions of of iOS and in Android and in Windows. When when you um, say like this, Paul, what exactly do you mean like this? Ones that would allow someone to potentially hack your device without you without you knowing that it was happening, without you having to interact with it in any way. So there yeah. there are there are other ones previously. Like for example, when iOS 14 came out, it actually had a security patch in it to fix a similar issue that was there prior to iOS 14. Um, and what's impressive is between iOS 14 and iOS 14.6 or 14.7. Um, you know the likes of NSO have already managed to come up with another way to break. The, so it's an, it's a never-ending arms race between the, um, the the people who want to break into devices and, and the and the vendors themselves. But like I think it's absolutely key that you keep your devices up to date as as, as much as possible, just to reduce the risk of maybe pre-existing um, attacks that might go back. I, I I know there's still plenty of people out there who might be running devices that have iOS. 13 or 12 or 11 on them and all of those versions would be vulnerable in the same way that older versions of android would also be vulnerable yeah so make sure you've got yourself updated and obviously we're all familiar with the other stuff where there is things you have to interact with these uh, dodgy links or whatever and you know it is important that the people are educated about that because you can have all the good cybersecurity software you want but it, it it's your people really who who are the weakest link now i think you put your finger there Paul a minute ago on something that really is the key point here it's an arms race this is the nature of the struggle the the criminals the bad guys they're incentivized to come up with with new ways to get around the defenses that are out there and it means that the technology vendors are are guys like yourselves it's on you then to respond it, it by nature it's reactive and that's a problem yes. yeah absolutely and you know they're the, the likes of like NSO Group and and you know there's another one that was in the news very related to this called a, a US a US based company called Acuvant, um they're very well funded and you know there was there was a, a related case here around an iOS um, zero day that was released before, um and it was be and it was developed by that company Acuvant and and they are closely tied to the US intelligence community and. In their case, the only reason we found out about it was there was some ex-US intelligence operatives who had um, gone to work for the private sector who were working with, you know, the UAE government, and this was targeted against uh, Bahraini activists. So there's, you know, there's there's some very smart people who are, you know, coming potentially from from government and from the likes of the intelligence services. And then they're they're you know going to the private sector yeah. primarily because the you as you can imagine there's a huge amount of money behind. Oh all yeah, this, I so. mean, and you mentioned that that one like that kind of sounds like it was a bit of a fluke that they found out about it. Got to be lots of stuff out there that we don't know about. Yeah, and and, and like I think it, you know there's there's there was a famous statement by a by a, a, a CIA director or an FBI director I can't remember exactly which one it was a couple of years ago that you know this. There's two types of organizations in the world, those who've been hacked and those who who don't know they've been hacked. <laughs> but I don't think it's quite that bad. But, you know, there is it is it is very difficult. And as you as you absolutely correctly said, it is incredibly reactive. Most of the time, it's just down to very good work by various organizations around the world who who just are always on the lookout for seeing these kind of uh, suspicious um 
you know, my sus- suspicious activity yeah. on, on devices of people of interest. Yeah, and it, I suppose like it is, it is possible to be proactive, and it, I suppose you try and put yourself in in the shoes of the criminal and and try and anticipate what kind of thing they're they're going to develop. But uh, obviously, it's it's not always possible. I suppose for you guys, Paul, at CWSI, all this stuff going on, business is probably very strong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's we, we we work in a couple of areas around security, but mostly our areas around what we would call modern working, which is people flexible working, people working remotely, people working from home and working across lots of different devices and networks, which is uh, obviously where we've all been dragged uh, or pushed over the last two years because of COVID. Um, but it's definitely where we see the future of, of work. And we've been incredibly busy working with organizations to to kind of get them into a more mature state around their security for managing, you know, what is now a more complex working environment. You know, you've got people working um, full time at home has been the case for the last year and a half. But we're starting to see people go back into a hybrid kind of state now, which means they're now working at home. They're working in the office, but they're also working on public transport. They're potentially working from airports and other places again. So it's it's a complex landscape of, of, of management for an organization where traditionally they used to only care about security within their four walls. Yeah. Now, the public transport thing, the airport thing is interesting. What's the advice there? Well, well, typically, anytime I've been in an airport, you know, I, I would generally avoid ever using any of the public Wi-Fi solutions. You know, I, I, I can turn on my device and I, I'll see a whole host of, of, um, of, you know, different public Wi-Fi solutions pop up. And most of those are very low grades um, in terms of security protections. And in many cases, a lot of them are actually fake, you know, airports and train stations, bus stations, anywhere where people are going to be gathered for a period of time and kind of in a hurry and stressed, but could be of, of interest. Um, they're great places to set up, you know, a fake Wi-Fi hotspot and call it the same name or a similar name as, you know, a Starbucks or the or the name of the airport Wi-Fi. Or whatever. Jabers, it's, Paul, it's you're frightening me here. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> Is that a major issue? Never, never occurred to me. No, it's, it's, it's very common. So there's lots of software out there, you know, security software that you can run on your device, which will kind of let you know that the Wi-Fi connection you're connected to is look suspicious, you know, where you oh, know yeah. it might have a the name might not match its security certificate or it might not have a or there might be a couple of other similar Wi-Fi's with similar names. So we would generally be advising customers, you know, particularly if you are someone who would be of interest or is, has access to maybe data or systems that 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 are that are high risk or of high value to avoid using public Wi-Fi as much as possible. Uh, and you just use your cellular connection when you're when you're in public spaces, and that's actually something you see very common as a kind of a corporate policy now in in large organisations and heavily regulated organisations. Okay, so we've covered the idea of staying off the public Wi-Fi. We've covered the idea of of keeping your software up to date on your device. We've covered the idea of educating yourself so you know when to recognise a, a dodgy link or whatever. Just give us your, your final few tips, Paul, on, on what people and companies need to do to keep themselves safe. Well, I think the one other key one that is um, is probably one of the best defences you can have is to implement what we would call MFA or multi-factor authentication. So, for example, if you're logging into your Office 365 account or your Google account, that you know, you, you as well as your password, you also need to have some kind of a, a token or or a code that gets either sent to your device via SMS or even better, 
uses you know one of the authenticator apps like Google Authenticator, Microsoft Authenticator. There's lots of authenticator solutions out there, and, and they you know you'll get a kind of a pin that cycles every 30 seconds and is unique, because that gives you that that means if you were unfortunate enough to click on a link and you know think that you were getting to your logon page and enter a username and password that the person at the other end of that who steals your username and password still can't log into your systems unless they've got physical access to your device which has the the token on it so that makes it much harder for someone to break into your systems and you know that one step alone can mitigate against a lot of those phishing attacks because most of those are designed to try and steal your username and password. So having the multi-factor in place means even if they get your, your username and password, it's very difficult for them to still log in from another PC. Okay, we leave it there. Paul Connolly, Principal Consultant at cybersecurity firm CWSI. Thanks very much for being with us. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Gavin. Taking stock on News Talk. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling.